Someone on the grid 23? Kevin? Someone Kevin. is number Alex. Alex is 23. Oh, I feel awful. Love you, Alex. Ah! Oh my god, it's the Michael Jordan episode. It's the Michael B. Jordan episode! Has anyone ever asked Alex Alban if he's a Michael Jordan fan? Like, did he grow up watching basketball and did he pick 23? These are all the questions that I suddenly did not know that I had and now I suddenly have. Well, that's a deep dive for later. Because <laughs> now I'm imagining a tiny little Alex Alban in a Chicago yeah, Bulls jersey. Cole and Brianna are lined up on the grid. It's lights out and away we go on this week's grid walk. It's always sunny in Formula One, at least somewhere across the multiverse. But in this universe, the gang attempts to predict the Australian GP. We ask if we'll ever get a dry qualifying. Please don't rain this weekend, even though I've seen all the weather reports. Nicole catches us up on F1 and pop culture, which is really just the Lewis Hamilton report this week. But first, Alpine has two superheroes and a dude from Philly in the headlines, providing us for the first time the valuation of an F1 team since the sale of Williams. So much to get into. We're really bad at doing this ask at the beginning of the podcast. But if you're watching, listening, whatever you're doing, please you know, subscribe, follow the podcast, write a comment, because doing all of those things helps all the fancy algorithms push our podcast to other people, helps us keep doing what we're doing. So please head over to YouTube, hit the subscribe button, turn on auto downloads. It's wild how much auto downloads matters in like Apple Podcasts and Spotify thinking that this is something that they should show other people. So if you like our podcast, please, please, please do that. Okay, now let's go talk about Deadpool. There have been rumors for at least a full year now that Alpine has been looking for some infusion of capital into their F1 team because it's well reported that when it comes to infrastructure and just general capital investment, they lag behind the top three teams. We don't actually even know if they're fully, like last year, if they fully hit the cost cap number, but they got that infusion and it came with a really fun headline. And I think we need to address the fact that three really big names in Hollywood got to be the headline of what was a $218 million purchase of 24% equity in the Alpine F1 team. Um, yeah, so when I woke up to the headline of Ryan Reynolds invest in Alpine, I thought I was dreaming. Um, and then it was followed up with Rob McElhenney, which makes so much sense because I don't think the two of them are now able to invest in anything not together. And Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> and I, I love headlines like this because it's a big investment group and they are just... And, like, it's probably mostly, like, people in finance whose names we wouldn't care about. But because Ryan Reynolds' name is there, that gets to be the headline. And there was the big, like, breaking news graphic that F1 uses, and it was just Ryan Reynolds' face, which made me a little salty for Michael B. Jordan. And, like, I want to see his face on a giant F1 graphic. Yeah, I think it's just, people know Ryan Reynolds. I mean, people know Michael B. Jordan, not that they don't know any Come on. of I, Right, I know. As, as I'm saying this, I was, but that's as also as I live in the household and the Super Bowl commercials, I was really excited about Michael B. Jordan being in a commercial. And my dad was like, I thought it was Michael Jordan from the, <laughs> from the basketball. And I'm just like, no, you just don't know pop culture. So that's what I have like happening in my brain. And But 
huge headline. I think it's, I think Ryan Reynolds also has developed this magic of a headline wherever he is like putting an investment. It seems that like people really enjoy it or it ends up being very lucrative for him in some fashion, whether it's actual money or just really interesting press. So I think that's why he's like the really easy like lump on here. But yeah, it's so incredible the amount of headlines that were just like list all three of them like Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhenney, and Michael B. Jordan like went to a race and was like that one, which is like so not at all what happened no, and not at all what an investment group is. But that's how I imagine it happened. So there are two non-celebrity things that I really want to talk about with this. The first one being, this is the first time since the sale of Williams that we now have a in-stone valuation of how much an F1 team costs. And this is a middling midfield, this is not like the Mercedes Red Bull Ferraris of the world, this is Alpine we're talking about. That since they've returned to the grid, they're just there. Yeah, I, was gonna, I would say they're the team that is in probably I like the most identity crisis as they're trying to like figure out who they want to be on the grid and like what they their branding is and kind of the back and forth right. with like Reynolds and Alpine and referring to Ren like that whole again confusing web Alpine of <laughs> decided to do what HBO Max just did where they said we have this big brand cachet in HBO let's drop that part of it and become Max streaming Alpine basically did the same thing where they had like this historic name in Renault that has a history in F1 and racing and they said you know what we should do we should go buy something else <laughs> And I, I, yes, like I hear you screaming in the comments, all the reasons why they did it. And they want to, they want to promote their sports car brand, yada, yada, yada. It's still kind of silly and it's still the same vibe. <laughs> I would support you more if your car was pink all the time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, that, that is the key to this. But that, so before I get into the marketing, which is also the pink car of it all, I think that it's worth pointing out that when Williams sold, it sold for the amount that this investment group just bought a 24% share. So in three years time, the value of an F1 team has quadrupled. And this is like, it's hard with these entities that don't sell to get a clear market indication like this. And I think we can now very clearly say that a good F1 team is worth well over a billion dollars because this puts Alpine at about 900 million-ish. So like, yeah, billion dollars. We're talking billion dollar franchises. Yeah, I mean, technically, if you want to think of it as a team, if you want to look at Alpine as the last time they've won, which AKA Renault was like, 2006 like almost 20 years ago and they're getting yeah. some type of valuation close to a billion dollars is crazy so even if you want to be looking at them of falling in the constructors in fourth place last year whatever way you want to look at that that still puts three teams above them which would definitely put i mean i would feel very comfortable in saying Ferrari's worth over a billion dollars and Red Bull Mercedes, no question. So it's just incredible to be thinking what the evaluation of the other teams could be. It would be very interesting to see the Williams deal go through now. 
um, just given like yeah. what would be the strength and value of uh, the Williams Racing name. And then also just having that already established spot, no matter current success of the team. We've been hearing rumors that three teams got offers for over a billion dollars and they were rejected because they felt like they were too little. And when you see that headline, like various F1 teams won't sell for a billion dollars. I now see why. Like I 100% see why because of the teams. Like I don't think I'd put Alpine, like even though they finished fourth to your point. Like, I don't think they are the fourth most valuable team on the grid because of infrastructure and investment. Like Audi is buying into Alpha, uh, into Sauber. And I believe Sauber's facilities are more recent and up to date than Alpine's are. So like, and this is just the F1 team. It, the equity has nothing to do with the engine division as well. So I, the number, blows my mind and all of this is because like i personally from a sporting perspective have an issue with the cost cap and how they're handling the cost cap but this is the financial result of having fixed costs it the health of this sport in three years because of that cost cap is wild yeah they're it and teams are being kind of forced to i mean i think a lot of them want to be looking for other ways to get in a cash flow intake and like different investment and different opportunities and different pinpoints that way. But it also just feels like with this big boom of F1 and obviously the growth and the interest and the value skyrocketing so very quickly, it will be really interesting if it'll continue to kind of maybe be like a bubble. Like will who knows what this entire interest will turn into and the growth will t turn into, whether it's expanding the calendar or adding new cities to the calendar. I mean, we're talking about last week how F1 Arcade is expanding to arcades across, like, the globe. So, and that's, like, just, it's, like, an entity that if you want to be looking, you think Formula One, you think Grand Prix races, you don't think of a urban metropolitan arcade bar like it's it's a crazy brand extension already so it's i don't know maybe some people do someone clearly did and is now hopefully got a promotion for thinking of this amazing idea but whatever it can continue to evolve into i think will just open up more room for different types of investors that we probably never would have anticipated investing at all or having any sort of interest in f1 i mean i think you could have also said the same thing about ryan reynolds and rob McElhenney when they in invested in wrexham like everyone was like what like this sounds kind of real world ted lasso-y type vibes and so who's to say that they can't just like go somewhere and do it again ish i know it's not the Me. same person, not. and that's like, a perfect transition this is a perfect transition into the marketing aspect of this and i pulled up some quick numbers here to talk about how with the boom of F1, I personally see that Alpine seems to have lagged behind in fan interest and fan popularity. And so I'm gonna compare them to McLaren, for example. These are not end all be all numbers, but as of recording this on Tuesday, June 27th, McLaren has 10.5 million followers on their Instagram account. Then Ferrari has 11.3 million followers on their Instagram account. Mercedes has 11 million followers. And I had Red Bull right here. There it is. Red Bull has 10 million followers. 
Alpine has 2.8, which puts them in the league of Alfa Romeo that has 2.1. So, and this is a factory team, a works team with history in motorsports. So you can't say, oh, McLaren has more because of their history. Like, do they have a better history? Yes. But do they also have a fantastic marketing department that I don't think Alpine has? Yes. They also, like, performance-wise, like, you can't say, like, well, well, McLaren's had fantastic performance like the other ones I've read. No. Like, there's a reason I'm harping on the McLarens. Because on track, they're pretty... They're relatively speaking one-to-one. -one. I mean, we can talk about the British audience for the French audience. I can't get in the weeds. But in modern day Formula One, the team with the most missed opportunities when it comes to marketing, I believe is Alpine, which means that the team that can benefit the most from the marketing master himself, Ryan Reynolds, like this feels like Alpine going, okay, yeah, yeah, money. I mean, the reality is they took this for the money. But me from the outside, I'm like, please leverage this. But my worry is with a team like Wrexham, he could do whatever the hell he wants. With something like Mint Mobile, they're like, yeah, 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 Ryan Reynolds, do your thing. F1 is notoriously tight with the ability to shoot things, do anything fun. Like, do you think the team, the reason the teams don't, do more on social during the weekend isn't because they don't want to. It's because there's these broadcast rights deals in place that don't allow them to. Have you ever been in the United States and have been unable to watch a Sky Sports video that has nothing to do with on track, but because it was filmed at a Grand Prix, you need to go to like the back alleys of Reddit to find a version of that video to watch? Yes. Uh-huh. That's because of these crazy, crazy tight broadcast deals that have loosened slightly since the post-Bernie era, era, but it Ryan Reynolds is not gonna be able to do whatever he wants. Ryan Reynolds is gonna be given this tiny box to play in, and I am not convinced yet that he can make that work. Yeah, and as I think, to make a very like broad statement, or not broad, but a very like potential hot take and just kind of like reflecting on reasons why maybe like Alpine isn't winning in the marketing game, or at least my brain was thinking in terms of like the social media numbers. And this is like a live thought I'm happening right now. So if this is all mm -hmm. garbage and you disagree, anyone listening, like that's so fair. Cause it could be nothing, but I'm curious of your take. Stop I qualifying just remember, it. <laughs> Give I just me your fun take. From, like watching drive to survive, not even just the most recent season with everything with Alpine, but right all was it was always kind of spun of like them not them being not like like kind of played as the villain so i could see why the newer fans necess wouldn't necessarily be like diving immediately to go follow and then weren't part of that like rebrand or like there could just be a lot of things where they missed the mark to your point like i just remember and again as i'm sitting here in a daniel ricardo shirt but as i was remember watching drive for survive and having such the awful taste in my mouth of like how that all went through and just the way that 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 was played out so i feel like maybe if a lot of new fans were introduced to teams this way via drive to survive and like that was their initial opinion on things and then alpine is Renault, but it's not Renault, and like that could be part of it too that's like the random piece but I think you're so spot on. I think McLaren, again, is that great example of, you know, history in the sport, not necessarily like 
stellar, unbelievable, top-notch performance on track, but still having like a really unbelievable marketing presence like across the board. Like they people don't seem love to Mac have a. Sorry. Yeah, they, no, no they're able to like get the new fans or like people are excited to say like i'm like go papaya and it's like you haven't seen a podium and like who knows like i don't know how long like yeah. but it but people are still so proud and excited and it, it doesn't matter because they just love the mclaren branding and like what it comes with and alpine is totally missing that yeah and it's shocking to me because your daniel ricardo point like Alpine and Renault have had great drivers. Like they had the Daniel Ricciardo bump, then they had the Fernando Alonso bump, then they had the Scandal bump. Like Red Bull is the villain. Mercedes sometimes were the villain in Drive to Survive. Like I don't know how much of it is like a villain thing, but like a lack of identity to latch onto. Uh, that is, and I do think they have a, a driver pairing right now that's not providing that, and I love Esty Bestie. Mm -hmm. But, like, him and Pierre aren't Fernando and Daniel Ricardo, mm -mm. And I don't, they, they also seem reluctant to lean into the French team thing. Like, they, they scream corporate safety. And so do you know what fixes corporate safety? You know, Ryan Reynolds, oh wait, I don't think he's going to be able to do, like, it would be in a dream world. Like, Ryan Reynolds, shit, like, God, put Ryan Reynolds in a room with Otmar and just make him feel uncomfortable. Like, yes, like, this is, like, there is stuff there. Like, there, it's just not... Yeah, Otmar's definitely never seen Deadpool, and I don't foresee that he will. I'm hoping that this deal, again, as we're talking about, like, investment groups and things, and as cool of an idea it would be for, like, Ryan Reynolds just to walk in somewhere and be like, do all of this! Like, obviously, that's, like, not what would go down, and but it would be really interesting just because a lot of the members of this group, and as Reynolds' CEO wants to say, it's not about the money, da, da, da. like, okay, it is, but them they having this capital investment of course and yeah. it feels like it could be a little bit too late but they are talking about wanting to put a lot of the investment towards hospitality and like things for fans and there is certain members and like lots of different members of this investment group that have ownerships and participations in other like soccer teams and other mm -hmm. like sporting events overall so i think the conversation in the room could be really interesting about just like what has worked and hasn't worked from different types of people it's weird that ryan reynolds is could be just in that room of conversation. He so should bring right. him, bring Rob, bring Michael B. Jordan. Like these are these like yes, they're celebrity names, but like if Ryan Reynolds' agency is not in that room, it doesn't have to be him. It needs to be his advertising agency is not in the room for the marketing conversation. That is a missed opportunity. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think, and then again, I mean, driving force as to why I think he would want to have been part of this and anyone would have want him to be a part of this right. so that's but that's me coming from the place of maybe they'll be better and they'll be doing everything that they say that they're going to be doing marketing wise <laughs> but it's cool to see that they're like oh that just the value is at a billion dollars would i necessarily agree for that for alpine i don't know right now but i think in general for the health of the sport and where it's going that it is really just cool to see and uh yeah. Kind of in weird. summary, holy crap, F1 teams are now worth over a billion dollars. And 
F1, loosen the reins and let Ryan Reynolds do something fun, please. We don't actually think you will, but I will ask for it. Gridwalk will be here asking for you to do something fun that is not just like, not the normal thing you do with celebrities, F1. Like you're, you're too like even stodgy with your celebrities. Like let him loose to do whatever. And put Otmar in a room and make him watch Deadpool and react. If F1 teams are worth over a billion dollars, I think we are seeing now why this conversation about adding new teams to the grid is has been so contentious. So a reminder, we did a whole segment. Um, if I remember, I will link it in the comments below uh, what episode it was on that we did an F1 ring where we broke down why the FIA wants more teams on the grid and why the F1 teams don't. And now we're seeing the raw numbers of that. A quick wrap up summary is the FIA gets a flat fee for the number of teams on the grid. But as we see now, the teams create value in the value of their franchise, which is the team. And the more franchises there are, it dilutes that value. So if there are 15 F1 teams, then one is less valuable than, being one of 15 is less valuable than being one of 10. But to the FIA, if they got paid $10 a team, they go from making $100 to $150, essentially. And they're like, more money. And that is the uh, main contention point in all of this. So now that we have some like, raw numbers of the actual cost of an F1 team, a middle of the road F1 team, I can totally understand why a 200 million entry fee is laughable to F1 teams right now. To them, that is maybe a quarter of the value of their franchise, maybe. So I don't currently see a great avenue for more teams entering the grid. And if they do, it's gonna cost a billion dollars to enter, to join the grid. It is insanity. I was already really on the sides of the teams with this. I mean, like, look, you gotta have a bigger birthday cake at the birthday party if you're gonna have more people at the birthday party. So you can't just be splitting the same amount of funds. Like, great for, you know, the head who just gets as much as he wants, but this is clear proof that teams are right to turn away offers and that it's also mm -hmm. literally laughable. I mean, this the buy-in was now got this investment is literally under is a quarter. It is, and it's and it's just under a quarter, which you know that that, of course, was the big battle. Like, had to be such oh, back yeah. and forth in the deal of, like, 25 24, 20, 20. Like, that uh -huh. is so, I can see the shark tank of it all happening. So it's just <laughs> so driving the force home that it's just under a quarter that this was just a investment for. Like, what would that buy-in even do? It really just seems like such a cash grab. It's not going to provide any sort of legitimacy in the bid. And then I think it just points to that, God, it really limits who would be able to create a new team just based on funding. Like, that population of people or groups in the world is, like, very specific and just not as, like, accessible so I think then it brings back up the question of like, is this even feasible? Is this possible? Is this the type of like way you want teams to be coming in? Every time we talk about this, we land on more is not always better. 
I don't need more teams to watch more teams go slow. Like, we have 10 teams, and nine of them can't be fast enough to compete with Red Bull on a weekend. I don't think more teams in the back of the grid will solve that problem. <laughs> I don't foresee that improving the product. So it all comes down to... So, like, as a fan, I don't know if... Like, I do want... I do want more driver opportunities, so I understand that. But I don't want more uncompetitive teams. So my, my brain just started <laughs> laughing at like trying to process how much buying in, like coming in with a brand new team, would cost to not only literally exist but to be competitive. <laughs> I, like impossible. So impossible. I always say like. Until we have 10 reasonably competitive teams, until we have one team competing with Red Bull, I don't want to hear about 12, 13, 14 teams on the grid. I don't care. I just want 10 competitive ones. To me, this doesn't see an improvement in the product as a fan. And then you and I also come from this from a business perspective part of our brain, which is why it's interesting when, you know, Stefano Dimancali, who's the CEO of F1, what conveniently right before this was announced did a big interview on the beyond the grid podcast which is an f1 podcast so he essentially went on his own company's podcast and he talked about how they are working with the fia like they're supposed to on whether or not to expand the grid but he was like that entry fee is going to be enormous to do this and i completely understand why because his job as the CEO of F1 is to sell this product. And I don't think more teams are going to help him sell the product. It's not like their, like their uh, broadcasting deals are going to get larger. More teams doesn't mean they can increase ticket prices more than they already have to go to a Grand Prix. Like every single revenue stream that comes back into the teams, I don't see any of them getting larger just with the grid getting larger. Yeah, I felt a lot of relief hearing him explicitly say, like, I don't think racing would be better with 20 cars on the grid. Like, I, do, I don't. And it's like, oh, phew, thank goodness. Like, it's not because I feel like it would be very easy for someone in a position like that, especially with this unbelievable boom that's happening to just be like, let's flood it, flood it. Let's. But with his history in the sport and understanding of it, and I think like understanding that piece of the quality and the clear evidence of the gap amongst all of the teams, AKA one and nine, um, <laughs> needing to be fixed before adding any additional, just that's the, that's the right answer. That's the common sense there, not the cash grab. Like none of this is me complaining that Red Bull is dominant. It's more just me saying more, throwing more at the pro the quote unquote problem that Red Bull is dominant doesn't make it any different. Like inexperienced engineering teams will not all of a sudden be better than Mercedes. <laughs> like that's not. And why are they also dominant? Oh, because they spent so much money that they spent more money than they should have spent. Why money? <gasps> Cause it costs money to have a good car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I do think we're gonna get more new teams, but I think they're gonna come at a price similar to the, what we just saw is the value of Valpine. Do you know any billionaires? <laughs> no. You want to buy an F1 team? <laughs> I would love to. I cannot. Hey, podcast listeners. 
Gossip Grid here, your guide to F1's paddock elites. Hello everyone, welcome back to Gossip Grid for all things F1 and pop culture. And this is a, a Gossip Grid that has come unbelievably full circle for me. So today I have to start Gossip Grid with a very special question from Ms. Serena Vanderwoodson, the Blake Lively. When are we seeing you on the grid? Because the paddock fits are going to serve so hard. Just my PSA, I have to start Gossip Grid that way. We have a little bit of a week off, so drivers had a little bit more free time, so a lot of them headed to Paris for Fashion Week. So Pierre was attending a Louis Vuitton fashion show and was sporting some really interesting denim jorts. Um, he was sat next to English soccer player Marcus Rashford and June Ambrose, who's the creative director of the women's basketball for Puma, and she's also done, she also designed the line for Puma and Ferrari. Then, after all that fun, Pierre went to go see Coldplay, and he really loves the song Paradise. <laughs> go check out the video somewhere on the internet. He goes hard to Paradise. Joe was at. <laughs> I don't know if you have something to say. I'm sorry. I'm just like. Now imagine good. Okay. Uh, Joe, our favorite Dior brand ambassador, was spotted front row seats at their show for Paris Fashion Week. He somehow makes an outfit composed of white pants, a blue and white striped shirt, and a green vest work. None of that sounds like it should make sense or even sound attractive. And he pulls it off, and it looks absolutely incredible. But it would not be any fashion week if we did not talk about Mr. Sir Lewis Hamilton, who was also at the same Louis Vuitton show that Pierre went to as well. It was Pharrell's first show as creative director of the menswear line, so really big to have a lot of big names and celebrity faces were showing up there. Um, Lewis's outfit was this beautiful, minimalistic, all-black look with this stunning Louis Vuitton Damier jacket. And also, he's really leaning into the men with pearl necklaces on trend, and I fully support it. I absolutely love it. Lewis was spotted chatting with a whole bunch of different celebrities, but one that particularly caught the attention of a lot of fans online was him chit-chatting with Kim Kardashian. There's We've heard a lot about the Drake curse, but now there's a sudden rumor about the Kim Kardashian curse. So a couple weeks ago, she was sporting an Arsenal jersey at the Emirates Stadium during a match, and they ended up losing the league title to Manchester City. So every single fan is freaking out, telling Lewis that he has to stay away if he wants to continue winning uh, world titles. So just a sound of an alarm to all athletes out there that the Kardashians may have a curse there. Uh, then Lewis was spotted at another fashion show at the Wells Bonner Fashion Show. We hung out with Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics. Thank you, GQ Sports, for being my go-to of finding what everything and everywhere F1 drivers are doing in their off weeks. Beautiful beige double-breasted suit, beige pants, beige shoes, monochromatic vibes, absolutely incredible. And the Lewis show is not over because it never is. It's his world and we're just living in it. So British rapper Stormzy released a music video for his new song, Longevity Flow. And right around the one-minute mark, you will see the one and only Sir Lewis Hamilton looking like he's giving Stormzy basically a private tour or some kind of, like, escorting him around multiple old Mercedes F1 cars. Um, if you blink, you'll miss it. But again, go check it out in his new music video. It's at around 59 seconds. So if all of the fun in music videos and in Paris wasn't enough for Lewis on his week off, he went to Glastonbury, he took a helicopter straight to the stage, watched Elton John perform backstage with Canadian filmmaker and Elton John's husband, David Fur Furnish, um, was also seen in the same VIP backstage spot with Andrew Garfield, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, everyone was at Glastonbury this weekend. Elton John's performance was very anticipated and potentially one of their biggest performances of biggest performances ever for the festival. Today, Ice-T made it very clear that after he was on the Drink Champagnes podcast rocking a Mercedes F1 jersey, he received a lot of buzz of people wondering, is he a Lewis Hamilton fan? He wanted to put all of the questions to rest and immediately confirmed that he is a longtime Lewis Hamilton fan by tweeting a throwback picture of him and Lewis. And, like, Lewis could be 14 in that photo. I mean, he's definitely probably already won at least one or two world championship titles by that time, but he definitely looks very, very young. It's not a recent photo. So shout out to Ice-T for being a longtime fan. It was pre-Lewis Hamilton with a stylist and a good haircut because it was definitely McLaren time where they like made him have a buzz cut and the cargo baggy cargo shorts were definitely giving like 2000s yeah it's the early it's there's a lot of screaming early 2000s uh, uh -huh. it, it kind of looks like a lewis hamilton 
cosplaying as Adam Sandler. Like, it's, yeah. I, that is what it it's It's my favorite much. era to look at of Lewis Hamilton photos, because if you told that kid that he would look like this now, like, he'd probably be like, oh, no, racing. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, the, oh, love the evolution of Lewis Hamilton. So it was a really great way to just kind of prove a longtime fan, been here forever, supporting the GOAT, obviously not even a question. So that's a lot of, that's basically everything that I have for today's Gossip Grand Big Time Lewis Hamilton show this week, but that's always funny because there's a lot to talk about. But I do have one more big question to wrap up this Gossip Grid because it's been lingering in my mind ever since the Alpine announcement. So, Esty Bestie, you've given us a Spider-Man helmet. Are you going to have a Deadpool helmet now? I can't believe we're already talking about silly season. I mean, I can because the sport is the silliest thing ever, and I feel like every season is, like, just should, silly season should just be the F1 calendar, not when they're not racing. <laughs> And also just, I thought it would start sooner. It's the end of June, and this is the first time we really felt like we needed to put like a driver movement silly season topic on the show rundown, which is, somehow feels late, but also way too early. Yeah, I think it feels, part of me feels like it's been like just enough, like it's been just enough time for people to see what's happening with Red Bull. There's just enough time to see like who right behind Red Bull is like catching up, like we're already seeing with some like B-Spec upgrades and like legitimate upgrades that like could be something. And then beginning to see like consistent difference in driver performance or like teammate performances. And then like that, it just so naturally sparks conversation just because people can see numbers of like, okay, if you guys have that car, why are you not like holding hands across the finish line? Which, yeah. like, it's more complex than that, but it, it feels like there's just been enough data that can spark the conversation. Yeah, there's enough data mixed with a weekend with no racing and people needing to fill headlines. So I have six headlines to run through with you right now because somehow there are six things and most of them are Red Bull because, of course, most of them are Red Bull related. Let's start with Ferrari. There have been rumors that Charles and Carlos are in various stages of discussions for extensions. They're both signed on through next season, through the 2024 season. But it seems like, according to where you look, and just remember that like a lot of the Italian media is kind of like reading the Daily Mail. So what are your thoughts? Do you think both one, uh, both one or neither will sign an extension in the next couple months, like we're hearing? I feel that they will both end up signing extensions. Um, I don't necessarily believe that they will both be signed before the end of this season. Um, I can very much see it going into next year and both or one. Um, and I honestly don't necessarily have, I mean, if I were to pick one that they're going to like extend. No, I honestly, I feel like it would be, either. I just think they're going to end up both extending. I just feel yeah. like it could just be like start of next year. Like we see promise and this is their announcement. They need some kind of like, hope of extension i feel like the way that the season's going and this is me assuming that the vibes are not going to change at ferrari by the end of the season people <laughs> are not good assumption. Gonna, people are not going to want that like positive news of your two drivers that you don't really feel like are performing when i don't necessarily think it's their faults are sticking around and like then it could be like a ferrari fever dream next year of like extension hope it's here and then it all happens all over again i think that if i was ferrari I would not announce anything until I have both of them to announce. And I would announce both of them in like a dead period on the calendar at some point. Like I would definitely not like do it around race time. And I would announce both of them at the same time. Cause I do think they're both going to get extensions and nothing would be worse than announcing a Carlos Sainz extension and not a Charles or vice versa. Like right. just sign both of them and then announce it at the same time. I, I do think it would be smart for Ferrari to lock both of them down in the sense that like just remove any conversation. Like there's enough chaos going around Ferrari. If you can like say both of our drivers are here through 2025, that would just like, people would stop talking about like one of the things is maybe. Oh, would but they? 
No, they wouldn't. The truth is they wouldn't. My this is like a silly conversation. Will they really talk about anything in terms of extensions? Like, I, okay, we can't get to that topic. No, yet. I know. No, 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 no. But I don't even mean in like what's currently happening now of just like a flashback of like last year of just how many instances do we see like, oh, your contract's for this long and this is where it is. Like, contracts oh, are real in F1. I'm agreeing with you at everywhere that you said it would be smart for Ferrari. And that's when also my brain says, so they're probably so not going to do, do that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another subtle topic before we get to Red Bull Chaos. Apparently, Lewis's contract is signed and will be announced at Silverstone. I've been saying all season that we're going to get the announcement because of the home Grand Prix is going to be a big deal, and I wanted them to do it sooner to quell my personal anxieties about all of this. But do you think we're going to get the announcement in two weeks? A hundred percent. That is where my gut is. That's what I feel. And I think for anything, if the team is like, aka Toto or anywhere other quotes, but last week we were talking specifically about like different quotes we were hearing from Toto of hope about Silverstone and upgrades. I think it's a good way to spend like no matter what comes out of Silverstone having Lewis as an extended contract in any way, that's a plus. We have to get to all the Red Bull things. I'm going to bookend this with Daniel Ricciardo because yeah. that's a lot to unpack. Yeah. But we'll start with, it seems like everyone and their mother is in line for the AlphaTauri seat that doesn't currently exist, but kind of exists. So there, you can't talk about the AlphaTauri seat without talking about the Red Bull seat. So I'm going to try to sum this up all together. So it seems like Checo's out at the end of this year, even if he's not out during this year. Of course, Red Bull can get impatient and kick him out now. Everyone keeps saying that Yuki's in line for that seat, but Yuki has come out and made a quote that he's just looking to step up to a, a better team. Just that, that's it, just a better team. Honda is going to, Aston Martin is going to be a Honda's works team, and Honda's always made it very clear that they want Yuki in a seat, which is why he is in the Red Bull family. So, Checo might be out, Yuki might be in that seat, therefore there might be two AlphaTauri seats, but all of that is because it's pretty much known now that Nick is going to lose his seat, even, it's like the unspoken spoken truth like we all just act like it's gonna happen which makes me really sad so who's gonna be in the alpha tari seat is it going to be super fast indie car driver alex polo who's publicly said that he requested a meeting with helmet marco because he wants to be in f1 is it going to be liam lawson who's the like red bull junior driver they seem to just like have there and not want to drive in f1 ever or is it going to be mr daniel ricardo who it was announced, we already knew this, but it was reconfirmed this week that he's going to be doing one of the Pirelli tire testing for Red Bull. And Christian Warner has said that is to evaluate whether or not he can drive a car, essentially. And Daniel Ricciardo has said that he's willing to take an AlphaTauri seat to work back up to the Red Bull team. I just threw a ton of information out. Nicole, there are three, there's always three non-Max Verstappen Red Bull seats open. Who do you foresee as their 2024 lineup as we're talking June 27th, 2023? Actually, how about this? Who do you foresee at this point? And then who do you want? And I think we should both give some Red Bull lineups. Oh my gosh. Okay. Where to begin with? That's a <laughs> lot to unpack right now. Um, it's I'm, not emotional for you at all. No, definitely not at all. And I'm really struggling with being the Nicole Katz, Daniel Ricardo fan that's trying her best not to process any of this information until an announcement is made. And mm -hmm. Nicole Katz that hosts an F1 podcast where she has to have legitimate conversations mm -hmm. about the things that are happening in the news. So we're going to start with talking about Nick DeVries. <laughs> <laughs> but you see why like all these headlines, like I can't like talk, like, it's so hard to discuss it anything going on Red Bull without yeah. like the, all of them being interconnected because Red Bull has four seats and they all work together and like whether Yuki gets moved up to the top team and what do they do with Checo and what do they do with Nick DeVries? Like all of it is just like mush. Red Bull's unhappy with all of their drivers that are not named Max Verstappen could be the title of this segment. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I feel very sorry for Nick. It feels like it was like the uh, easiest 
it seems to be just like the easiest not decision decision and all of like the helmet marco quotes i mean i feel like it's very rare that i read one that doesn't give me like a oh this feels like bullying don't but, like, listen to voldemort i know i know of I'm some, we have sometimes it, he slithers through my twitter timeline <laughs> and <laughs> And I'm just like, don't talk about Nick that way. I don't, I can't. But I, yeah, it, it was so, it's incredible the amount of like hope last year. It's like, he's everyone's team. He's everywhere. And now he's like potentially going to be nowhere. The signing, even at the time, felt very much like Red Bull trying to get one over on Mercedes than them actually wanting Nick DeVries. And to your point, I just, I feel bad for him as a human. Like who, like this was his dream. He wanted this seat finally. He thought he was making a good choice. Like I, I feel bad. Oh, yeah, it's just, I think going to be a really... Um, short-lived dream for him, at least for right now, and then who knows how things will shuffle and open up. Um, I don't foresee any removal of Checo during the season. I don't, I think that is a PR nightmare coming from Red Bull. Not that they haven't done it in the past, I just particularly think Checo fan base is different than other drivers this has occurred yeah, with. Yeah, than like drivers at the beginning of their career that they right. shuffled around, yeah. I, I think that if any team on the grid is able to put some pressure on Red Bull, I think they would make a change, especially if they, let's say in their brains, they've slotted in Yuki for the seat next year, and it would be easy for them to just put Yuki in the seat this year, and another team is putting some kind of pressure on Red Bull, I could see maybe. Red Bull released a video, I believe today, might have been yesterday, of um, Yuki and Max driving like mega monster trucks, and it is the most wild pairing of people i've ever seen yes. participate in any activity ever and all i, I talked about this last week like it is right it is like i just love the opening of like i'm with the shortest f1 driver on the grid i'm just like this in a garage would be kind of crazy and in a fun way right but i also yeah. like chaos okay so yeah. i yeah. do want to say and again this is now where i'm getting to the daniel ricardo of it all because okay. i know this is i need to formulate real thoughts and acknowledge that this is real so me not processing it as a fan until it's news and wanting to be a good podcast host and coming to terms that I don't think he will be in the Red Bull seat. I but don't. I want you to process it as a fan. It's much better content. <laughs> he's cool. going to be in the Red Bull seat and he's going to fight Max and he's going to become... No, okay, yeah, no, okay. I'm not... That, yeah, no, you no. don't actually feel that way. But I, I actually want to know, as someone who is a diehard Daniel Ricciardo fan, like, would you want him in that Alphatari seat? Like, if you were putting together... Like, yes, they're not going to put him straight in the Red Bull seat. Right. But if you were formulating an Alphatari lineup for next year, like, would you, would you hope he was in it? Like, is there a desire to see him racing on the grid again? I not see that's the caveat is in that car just because right now I think god that I just listening to Nick and Yuki driving that Alphatari car right now just oh, sounds no. like you're making someone drive a brick it sounds painful it sounds impossible it sounds frustrating and it's no surprise that like that's not where the eyes of Red Bull go or looking to like be like look Alphatari's not like it's just there it's it is it is Red Bull's sister team that they just use to like form and make their drivers sometimes maybe it depends it is not the place for Daniel Ricardo, in my opinion, but if like the way that this is all shuffling and who I am as a Daniel Ricardo fan, put him there for a year because I want some fun back. That is my so not serious. I don't think it'll be good for his career move unless it eventually somehow put him back in the Red Bull seat, which I don't think would necessarily make him competitive to Max. I think it would still be just like a second to Max, but that would be again. I I'm not even foreseeing him in like that seat at all. So in my brain, it's either the Alphatari seat or like not nowhere else, I and I just foresee him scenario. being back on the grid, but incredibly frustrated. Well, I mean, because I'm, I'm asking and I wanted to know your perspective as a fan, because as a non-Daniel Ricardo fan, I don't feel any desire for him to be back on the grid. That doesn't interest me, even if even in the Red Bull seat, like I just don't care. Right. But I want to hear your perspective because like you last year, 
with a hundred like you were so sad when he didn't have a drive for this year so that's why it's it's actually really surprising for me to hear how subdued and like not i mean there's like withholding excitement but there's also like like, I know you decently well. This is not just you withholding excitement. This is you, like, kind of not being excited at the prospect of Daniel Ricardo being in the AlphaTauri. This is where I make the comparison come fully well. You'll understand where my brain is coming from. I love the album 1989. Taylor Swift had horrendous mental health during the era of 1989, so it puts a bad taste in my mouth. Daniel Ricardo being on the grid but in a car that underperforms, causing him unbelievable mental health issues and frustration, I don't want to see again. Especially now seeing him being very happy in the endeavors. It's seeming that he looks very happy in what he's pursuing and doing. And like, he says he wants to be on the grid, but like, I just, in comparison of where we've seen him recently and compared to now, just emotionally, he just seems to be glowing. So I, as a Daniel Ricardo fan, am not jumping at the idea of him being in a very similar situation where you're just like, hey, you're back on the grid, but you're in a, you're driving a brick. You're driving a, a tractor. Car. Yeah. I, I will put the caveat in your brain to, to ponder on, and then we should move on from Daniel Ricardo specifically, that if he's driving that Alvatari, it's because Red Bull doesn't think all hope is lost, that he could one day be back in the Red Bull, which is why it's different than the McLaren situation, in my opinion. Like, Red Bull, I don't think we'll just throw Dan Red Bull knows they can have the PR of Daniel Ricardo without having to give him an F1 car. So if they put him in that F1 car, they think not all hope is lost. But, you know, they got the Nick DeVries thing wrong, so I'm like, what, do what does Red Bull know? Now, if I'm formulating the Red Bull lineup I want for next year, so this is not logical. This is hopes, dreams, and wants, okay? Mm -hmm. I want Max Verstappen and I want Yuki Tsunoda because I want the chaotic duo and I think Yuki is driving out of his mind and deserves the call-up. And then I want Alex Palou and Daniel Ricciardo in the AlphaTauri because I, if Alex Palou, who is an incredible IndyCar driver, wants the F1 drive, I want someone to give him the F1 drive. And I think if you put him next to Daniel Ricciardo and he does well, I think that will bode well for his stock. And we get a little bit of Daniel Ricciardo chaos back on the grid, which it is missing. Like, I don't think anyone's going to fill that without him. So, and plus it would make you really happy. And if we could go through another Daniel Ricciardo season on the pod, oh my gosh. So that's my dream scenario. Uh, how do you, how do you feel? Would you sign on to send dream scenario? I definitely am signing on. I wanted, first of all, I just feel like I need to join in on the, like, I, I'm sorry, Liam. Like, it's going to oh, be. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. No, but I, my favorite thing on the internet yesterday and the alpine of it all is, like, Ryan Reynolds will probably end up in a Red Bull seat before <laughs> Liam does. And I could not, I was laughing for so long. So, sorry, Liam. I do. My logical lineup is Liam instead of Daniel Ricardo. I put Daniel Ricardo in there because I want to watch you, Nicole Katz, get to see Daniel Ricardo in an Alphatari, not because I, I want to see Daniel Ricardo in an Alphatari. I think the whole point of having a development team is to develop drivers, not to put your your old slow drivers, but that's okay. Whatever. Chaos. I just content. want chaos. You the yes. content. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, this wasn't, I, yeah, the logical answer is, is too easy. Wow, that's so funny. Oh, I know Yuki deserves the call up, but I was going to say the logical answer, like Yuki in that Red Bull seat, that is going to be, would exactly. be chaos. Red Bull, if you're not going to provide on-track entertainment, I feel like I'm going to say this every week. We talked about this in the pod last week. Red Bull, if you are not going to give me a second seat that is competitive with your first seat, even remotely, even just finishing P2 competitive, why don't you call up Yuki and just give me some chaos and some excitement and more content like that? Like, come on, you, Red Bull, I know you're itching to make an in-season driver change. Like, please. I hope that when people ask you about, like, what is it that you like about F1, and then you're just like, this, and it's just partly tire graphics. <laughs> All right, we're at Red Bull Ring which is my uh, favorite, least favorite. Like, it's, Okay, so I've always really wanted to go to the Red Bull Ring track. I think it's beautiful. You get great photography, like Carlos Sainz in a field of daisies sad because his Ferrari's on fire. You, like, It seems like a really cool track. Uh, but before we break down, 
the Grand Prix and make our predictions and I get to go through the Pirelli Tire graphic and all the exciting things, I do want to make it known to anyone who's listening to this who is attending. I know there is a grid click group chat and a Females in Motorsports at in, the Instagram account, Females at Motorsports, have both put together great group chats for anyone who is not a straight white male who is attending the race this weekend. Uh, we have hopes that the organizers did what they said and that they're going to make this a much safer, friendlier environment for people who are not straight white males. Uh, but I just, if you hadn't heard, like, please go to the grid, grid Click account or the Females in Motorsports account and join the group chats and make sure you have a community of people you're going to be there with. Uh, that is my PSA before we talk about the Austrian GP. Anything I, I missed there? No, you nailed right. it. And I'm, I want to be like, just don't let people be mean to you. But some people are just mean. So good to have a support right. system there. Because uh, right. last year there was uh, some not very pretty moments. So uh, make sure you have a good support system if you're attending and have fun. Yeah. And we're heading into the European season where this really was an issue last year. So um, I know both of those accounts do that at most of these races. So if you're going to Spa, for example, I will like say the same thing then, but I'll say now, like join the group chat and like connect with other people who are there. Okay. So moving into previewing the race itself. Nicole, I am devastated that we're supposed to have a wet quality again. I just, I just want, I just want to be, about, be able to evaluate these upgrades. And the best way to do that is in qualifying, and we can't do it right now, and I'm still frustrated. And it's going to rain, like, all weekend. Woo! So, before we give our predictions, and since we already have it locked in, so we're not given any advantages anywhere, we have the Pirelli Tire Graphic, which is my favorite thing to look at all week. So I will point out that this race, if you look at the amazing, oh, if you're listening, you can head over to YouTube, see this, but if not, head to Pirelli's Motorsport, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, any of their social media accounts on their website, and you can look at this graphic with us. Um, but compared to last week, there's a lot more stress on the rear of the car this week. And right now, if there's more tire stress, that is bad for Ferrari and bad for Aston, better for Mercedes. You'll notice I'm not talking about Red Bull because it doesn't matter. The other thing I'll bring up is that this is one of the circuits on the calendar that I think has the most, like one of the most collections of different types of corners. There's slow speed corners, there are medium speed corners, and there are fast corners, and there's also three really long straights. So it's one of those tracks that will evaluate overall performance. So you'll see Mercedes probably doing decently well at the fast twisty part of the track, which is the end of sector two and the beginning of sector three. And then you'll see Red Bull fast everywhere. And you might see like a Williams really fast on the three straights. I know, it's really great analysis when I just get to say that you'll just see Red Bull fast everywhere because they're Red Bull. They're fast. Right. Uh, it is, I do think people are still relatively positive about the Ferrari power unit performance. Like the straight lines with the right hand turns, like is something that theoretically should favor Ferrari. So like Ferrari did well at Baku. Ferrari, Ferrari's pace, even though they messed up in qualifying, was decent last weekend in Canada. So if we're taking Red Bull out of the equation, you should see Ferrari decently well, like compared to Mercedes with the right-hand turns, where Mercedes will do much better in the flowing bits of it all. Um, and Aston's kind of lives somewhere between the extremes of Ferrari and Mercedes traditionally. But this is also the shortest track for time on the calendar because it's really just, it's fast. It's the fast straights and it's the fast corners in the middle. Uh, so that's my, my, I love the Pirelli graphic discussion. <laughs> did I miss anything, Nicole, that's worth no, talking about? You nailed it. They really did nail it. I'm, it is, uh, it'll definitely be an interesting circuit. Definitely one of a kind. So, uh, I think. No rain. No rain. Please, no rain. rain. Unfortunately. Ah! <laughs> we won't be in those softs for very long, if at all. 
If this is your first grid walk, the reason I keep screaming for no rain is because Red Bull controls its pace so much in the Grand Prix because it just needs to go faster than everyone else. It doesn't need to go its fastest. But in qualifying, we get a preview of how fast the Red Bull is and how close everyone is to the Red Bull. And if it's rainy and an interrupted crazy session, we don't get that. And I just want to know, like, are we talking two seconds? Are we talking a half a second? Are we talking a couple tenths? Like, how much closer do teams get to Red Bull? And we're not going to know if it rains. Can you zoom in? What's the like the lap record? Is that Carlos twenty twenty? Yes. One minute. I five seconds that's scary yeah, that's so scary to think about what the rb19 could do if that was carlo signs three years ago in the mclaren yeah um i believe i can't remember if this is the qualifying lap record or the in race lap record uh, but i think it's qualifying yeah that would make more sense but that would be scary to see red bull do that in qualifying if it was dry yeah so it needs to be dry um and oh gosh just i want it to be dry but yeah, it's a really short lap, which also means that in qualifying, again, if it's dry, that we're going to see, like, drivers get to do multiple laps. It's also, so it's also a sprint race this weekend, and, you know, I, I don't think the sprint is long enough in order to actually create any tire degradation, but I'm relatively optimistic, at least, that uh, Pirelli brought the three softest compounds in hopes that maybe some of them degrade during the sprint race. And if that is the case, then maybe we'll have, I'm not even gonna put that out there. The sprint is gonna be boring, but like we get two qualifying sessions, maybe, maybe one of the qualifying sessions won't be wet. That, you know, we have the sprint shootout and maybe the sprint shootout will come in clutch and not be wet, please. Fingers crossed, at least one of them, pretty please, no wet. Really hope so. Let's make some predictions. Uh, update on where we are. Uh, last week, we were both right that Max won and nothing else, but it didn't matter because Alex Albon was P7. So I was happily wrong in all of our predictions. Uh, a reminder that we do predictions, like our season ends at summer break, and then we reset back to zero. So I think I'm up by about 20 points right now, but it, we have four Is that all? I feel like it has to be more, but we'll, sure, we'll take that. Yeah. Um, we also do sprint week picks that are slightly different. So start with the sprint because it, in the weekend is first. Yeah. Yeah. No. All right. So these are a little different than our normal picks. We're going to start with what team do you think is going to score the most points during the sprint? And spoiler alert, what Nicole and I both did was how low does Checo need to finish for the answer to not be Red Bull? So Nicole, did you decide that the answer here is Red Bull or do you think Checo is going to finish below that threshold? I put Aston Martin because what do I have to lose? <laughs> So I also went not with Red Bull because it felt fun. But and I put Mercedes. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so George Russell, finish above Checo is really what we're talking about here. <laughs> no, but in, in serious analysis, I think of all the top teams, um, and I think Ferrari is the fourth top slowest team, so I'm not counting them. So of the three top performing teams, Mercedes duo is collectively performing the best right now. So, but I think... Yeah, Alonso, I don't know, I don't know. But I'm glad I was, we both didn't pick Red Bull. No, the, the PEMDAS that I was doing was doing Aston Martin math and Mercedes math and yeah. trying to do all of those things. That, yeah, where do we well, I was like, okay, okay. And then just went with Aston. Something different. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't remember who I picked last time. Probably Red Bull, so. We picked, we both picked Red we Bull. We both picked Red Bull, yeah. Because, yeah. and we were both right. Yeah. Um, all right. So then who do we think is going to be the last to receive the Goofy Sprint medal? So P3 last on the podium. Who do you got? I have Lewis. Oh, I was going back and forth, but I have Alonso. Okay, that's very, yeah, yeah, that's, that's... Which makes sense with our other points, because I'm assuming you mentally had Alonso finishing P2, which is why you picked Aston Martin for the most points, and I mentally have Lewis finishing P2, which is why I have Mercedes for the most points. All right, finishing the <laughs> Math, that's what this all is. Um, finishing this out with, um, who do you think is going to be last in the points for the sprint, which is P8. So, in my P8, I am doing some, uh, I guess you would, driver math that would 
cause other drivers <laughs> in the top four to not be there for where I have this because in my right. P8, I have Esteban. God, I do too. <laughs> yes, I do too. <laughs> God, I thought I was... I thought I was being so like, oh yeah, I'm gonna throw an estimate because something's gonna happen to someone in the top eight. That's that's gonna be fun. <laughs> I'm in your bestie bestie. Although I need to have different like choices than you to beat you, but you know what? Sometimes yeah, this is good I'm... for me strategy wise, but not as fun for me week to week wise. But this is again, we did that same math. We did the math of if a yeah. red bullet falls, so who do we want to go in that makes sense? I mean, I think Checo will still be in the points. Yeah, but. I just... But I, I think an engine might explode or, you know, like, some, I just think it's more likely for something to happen than not. But now I'm even saying that out loud and the sprint isn't long enough for something to happen. So, but whatever. SCMC points. Make me happy. I agree. No. All right. So, Grand Prix predictions. The same ones we normally do. Nicole, did you do this big scary thing and pick anyone for P1 not named Max Verstappen? Because I don't want to stop your heart like you did to me the last time we did this. No, I can't. Max is still in my yeah, P1. Too. It's been the same typed out Max in all caps since the first race on this sheet. I haven't changed it at all. Yeah. No jokes here. That's... Someone needs to prove to me otherwise until I change it. Yes. Same. Yeah. So who do you have as you're just missing the podium in P4? Checo. Okay. I think Checo will have a less awful weekend and will end up P4 in the Grand Prix. Hmm. That's my prediction. I have Fernando. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, Fernando I don't know. off the podium. I did, and I hope he's I go for it. Mercedes in front of him. But yeah, no, mm -hmm. I, I mm -hmm. have him in my uh, P4 of just missing the podium. There's just something about it that just feels good when I decide that. You do. Yeah. <laughs> All right, who do you have in your P7? In my P7, to go off of my P8 continued pick, I have Esty Bestie finishing P7 in the race. Ooh. I'm being very optimistic. Happy. But that's what I'm going with here, because as I continue with my picks, there is a certain team that I am not acknowledging. As I said, I would no longer acknowledge them in my picks. So I'm picking Esteban in P7. <laughs> You're not picking Alex Alphon to repeat? No. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I went with Lance. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I'm going to always, I will him. always be rooting for him to be higher. Um, I don't think if there are top, if, of the top eight cars, I don't think he will be the eighth this weekend. Yeah, it's that Aston, as you were saying before, it's like the possibility of them falling like right in between the, like, between the, the... team you will not name. Yeah, as I was about to, I was literally, I was like, they can't. I'm not going to save them. <laughs> Horses. Okay. <laughs> and then we have for P10 last in the points this week. Who are you hoping or predicting? Okay, this one was really hard. Yeah. And it's really difficult every week. But I think I'm going to go with Alex Albon. I also went with Alex Albon. <laughs> Because I don't think what happened last week was a fluke. And I think there's three long straights, and I think the upgrade did really help. And, oh, but I do think you can pass better here than in Canada. I, I honestly even regret saying it out loud. I picked Alex. I, again, was going with, then um, I'll say it, I avoided Ferrari like the plague here, so I filled in accordingly. And I also agree with you. I don't think Alex's P7 was a fluke. I think, again, it's a testament to what we said about uh, his skill as a driver. And if he can make some magic happen, that magic can get him in the points and this circuit I think gives him the ability in place to do so. And Williams seems so willing to give him a off strategy to try to make something happen, which I can't say for a lot of the teams that are fighting for the back of the points there. So they're willing to do something bold and it could work out or it could not, right? Because that's what the reality of bold is. I will say that the other driver I had in this position was Yuki. Okay. Because I think uh, as much as that AlphaTauri is bad, like Yuki's been able to put in some incredible performances. 
and I think Canada was actually more of a fluke for Yuki not being in contention for that those points there than it being a fluke for Williams to be there. Um, but that leads into what team do I think in the bottom half of the standings is going to score the most points this week? And I decided to go with AlphaTauri. Okay, and I decided to go with Williams because I okay. usually like to split. It's going to be here. McLaren. Yeah, it's going to be because McLaren. it's the week we didn't pick like, McLaren. So yep, and I was really like, and every time I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm always picking Alex in my P10, and then I'll pick McLaren as like, and I'll be like, one of these, one of these will hit mm-hmm. and make me, you know, get me points and make me feel good, or like Alex has points, and uh, this time I'm going all in. I believe in, I believe in Alex Albon. I believe in Albon Pets. I believe. <laughs> it's the end of the show, which means one thing. Welcome to Yellow Sector Notes. It's not the fastest walk around in F1, but we will complete a full lap around the paddock hitting every F1 garage. Starting with Red Bull, as we often do, Checo will be doing a show run in the RB7 through the streets of Madrid on July 15th. Oh, and your friendly reminder that you'll notice my Yellow Sector Note isn't a lot of those quotes going around, and it's because do not listen to Voldemort. Anything he says is not true, substantiated in any way. When Voldemort says things, we ignore them in one ear, out the other. Thank you. So Checo, show run. Seems really cool. I would love to go to Madrid to see it. Mercedes has hired two prominent engineers from the engine division over at Ferrari that will begin work on their 2026 engine later this year. Lauren Stroll thinks he should be knighted. Ferrari had a filming day this week, and while these days are used for filming, they're also the only allocated track testing time the teams receive, so I'd be interested in what upgrades they tried out on their test on their filming day. Esmond Ocon went on vacation with his bestie Mick Schumacher this week. Oscar Piastri played cricket in Australia with the Sky Sports team, and you can watch that video on their YouTube channel. That's also from this footage is where I found that Oscar and I have the same favorite food, which if you told me that the Australian's favorite food was also chicken parm, I would be shocked. But it is literally pizza, but the crust is chicken, so he makes good decisions. I could just tell everyone that in the pre-show, when we were like rerunning over this and I, we were talking about my yellow sector notes for the week, I went, really chicken parm, even though I know this about Nicole? And she screamed at me, it's pizza, but the crust is chicken. It is pizza, but the crust is chicken. <laughs> <laughs> we have to delay foods. It's chicken finger. <laughs> it's fried chicken. It's not just chicken. It's fried chicken. It's a fried chicken pizza. Anyway. We have to delay the start of this podcast because I was laughing so hard because just our nipples, the whole body, just like through the camera, was like screaming. Okay, not wrong. <laughs> nope, no, it's not wrong. <laughs> Williams will have a special. 800th GP livery at Silverstone this year. They're going to be celebrating at Silverstone and Hungary, which is their 799th GP and their 800th GP. But they wanted the hometown fans in Silverstone to be able to experience the celebration, even though it is Grand Prix 799. Jensen Button will also be doing show runs at Silverstone in the 1992 title-winning FW14B. Williams, please make, name your cars things that are not a mouthful. But sounds really cool. So th- as a recap, at Silverstone, Williams is going to be celebrating their 800th Grand Prix one Grand Prix earlier. For that, Jensen Button's gonna be doing show runs. And also a reminder, this is when Brad Pitt's movie starts filming. So if you're at Silverstone, like you're gonna see a lot of wild things on track. Joe and you attended the Berlin Special Olympics this week. Haas will be using this week's Grand Prix as a test session. Gunther told Chris Medlin via theracer.com. That's always comforting going to a Grand Prix. It's just gonna be a test for us. And lastly, Yuki has been added to the list of Red Bull drivers driving at the Red Bull event in Germany come September. He's going to be driving the race-winning Honda GT3 car. That is the grid walk for June 29th, 2023 completed. How was my sector event today, Nicole? Faster than the Barbie movie marketing team constructed that entire Barbie dream house in Malibu. I feel like that popped up out of nowhere. But thank you to VoiceOver Man, Pirelli Tire Graphics, 
major MVP always consistently, and our four-legged executive producers. If you're an audio listener, don't forget to follow Turn On Auto Downloads, rate and review the pod, take two seconds to give us five stars. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, like the video, leave us a comment. Question of the week, what do you want to see Ryan Reynolds do with Alpine? I think we already decided that we need to see Otmar and him sit down and watch Deadpool together. So what kind of content do you want to see with Ryan Reynolds filming with Alpine? Take advantage of this opportunity, guys. I thought of another one. Maybe it'll spark some things in everyone's brain. I want Michael B. Jordan to do a boxing training with both of the drivers. Make it Creed themed. I would love to see them go through some Creed training. So oh let's also get Michael B. Jordan out there too. And they need to, like, it needs to be a callback to Rocky and they need to go to Philadelphia and run up the stairs. But that's just the Philly fan of me talking. So like your Philly is showing. Yes, my Philly is showing. <laughs> <laughs> but basically give us some feedback let us know comment below what you like about this episode and really what does this deal mean what do you think share your thoughts we want to hear them all of these things really really help us out and it really helps other people find our podcast and we really appreciate it do you know we put out daily content like every single day every single day f1 content all the time join us for daily grid walks on every social media platform you will find us at Gridwalk show and we'll be back to walk the formula one grid every thursday and we sincerely hope you join us but today felt like a grid tap dance not a grid walk or like a grid 80s performance by Ryan Reynolds and Barbie Ah, and 